Welcome to the MBG Podcast. Let's fire everybody. Welcome, everyone, to the first episode of the Message Board Geniuses podcast. My name is Hoos. I'm here today with our producer and co-host, Casey, who I'm guessing is celebrating Clemson's torrid start to the season. How are you doing today, Casey? I'm doing great, Hoos, man. Thanks for having me. I guess it's kind of you have to have me. But yeah, Clemson's off to a great start. It's a lot of fun. Man, DJ is looking good so far this year. He has. He has. He's definitely exceeded expectations from most of the fan base, even the ones on the message boards. Even the message board ones. <laughs> and then, of course, we've got the brains of this whole operation here with us, MBG. MBG, how you doing tonight? Me and my brain is, are fantastic. All right. It's good to be here. <laughs> so I thought since uh, this is our first episode, we do a little background info, especially about your account, which is at Four Geniuses. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the genesis of that account? Yeah, this is a, an account that I started a couple of years ago, a little over two years ago, actually. I started it. I always thought it was funny to see people get emotional and some of the stuff that people would say while the emotions were running hot or sometimes even when they're not running hot. And I know you could typically find that on message boards. I actually started posting screenshots from NBA message boards because I always found NBA message boards to be a little bit wild. Um, so I kind of started there. I don't think anybody really liked it too much. Um, so I came to the realization that the college football message boards were much better and much more popular. Um, so I kind of started posting uh, a lot of stuff from funny stuff that I would find from college football message boards. Um, and people slowly started to kind of like it a little bit, I think. And uh, well, you definitely get the emotional investment with college football fans, right? Oh, so much more than than professional sports or any other right. any other college sport, <laughs> even really. I mean, college football really brings out the emotion in a lot of people, for better or for worse. And so, um, it's good business, I suppose. And I, I know you've uh, you've gotten some pretty high profile followers. Uh, was there a particular moment when you realized that your account was starting to get some traction? Yeah, uh, before last season, I think maybe around 1st August, middle of August, I had noticed that I'd gotten a follow from an account that was had the name of Scott Van Pelt um, and had a blue check mark on it. And so um, I got all excited, but uh, I also had to double check and make sure it was actually the, the Scott Van Pelt, and it was. And so I had taken like a screenshot of the fact that he had followed the account, kind of tweeted that out, and he had replied. Um to it. And so it kind of, I think that kind of gave people the green light that they too could follow because it was good enough or funny enough for Scott Van Pelt to follow that uh, they could follow suit. And so, you know, it got uh, pretty hot after that. And you know, a lot of others kind of started to follow um, Brett McMurphy, um, Pat Forty, Stuart Mandel, a lot of the mainstream college uh, football media guys uh, started to follow, and girls. I think Nicole Auerbach followed as well. So, oh, that's a big uh, one. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and even yeah, Paul, so, right? Didn't you get a follow from Paul at one point? Oh, Paul Feinbaum. Yeah, he followed me for. Coincidentally, I think I just 
realized that he had followed me. You know, sometimes when you get a lot of notifications all at once on your account, you don't see all the follows or likes or retweets if you get a lot all at once. Um, and at one point I was getting a lot and I clicked the notifications and noticed that Paul Feinbaum had followed me. I also took a screenshot of that and tweeted that out. But as quickly as I could do that, uh, Mr. Feinbaum unfollowed me. So <laughs> either that way he was just fat fingering it or he. But he had to have been his... on your account at some point, right? You know, to, to actually follow you. So. Absolutely. He actually even retweeted something that I tweeted out the other day, a week or two ago, but he, it still wasn't good enough to earn a follow, but it was good enough to earn a retweet. MBG, when you get these massive accounts, I think you've got 58,000 followers or so, you know, you can't really keep track of everyone who follows you and unfollows you and all your other notifications. But when you're, you know, a small guy like Casey and me, it's very easy to keep track of all that stuff. And as I've told you guys, I know everyone who unfollows me because I immediately do the retaliatory unfollow as soon as I become aware of it. Because I as you should take as that, Paul Feinbaum. That's right. Yep. It's yep, mostly, I'm not, I, mostly I, guys I, or women who have like 300 followers who I'm uh, retaliating against. But you know. So, I'm going to follow your lead and go unfollow Paul Feinbaum. That, that's, that should that'll, teach, that'll him. teach him. Man. Yeah. yeah, that'll exactly. teach him. If only there were notifications to unfollow. Exactly. And so I know you spend some time on these message boards, which, I mean, God bless you for doing that. And you find a lot of these posts on your own. I'm, I'm guessing people send them to you as well. What do you know about what the breakdown is between the ones that you find and the ones that get sent to you? Oh, it's probably half and half now at least maybe even more than half are people submitting them to me. I get lots of submissions. I probably will tweet out maybe half of what's submitted to me. A lot of it is not fit for the account, I would say. Either, either I know you try and keep it family friendly, which, yeah, either, which I'm going to have trouble complying with, but I'm, I'm going to do my best as we go through this yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll do PG-13 stuff, but what I won't do is like, you know, politics or, you know, right, religion right. or rumors about players or coaches, families or things that things like that. I, or if it's obviously racist or homophobic or anything like that, I'm obviously not going to post it. And on a message a board, you're telling me you find that <laughs> stuff. <in> the- <laughs> I'm, I, I'm I'm, there's a lot of people out there who are probably floored right now to know that that goes on. <laughs> There, but there is a dark underbelly of the message boards um, where that kind of stuff can be found, believe it or not. Even during COVID, believe it or not, you found a few a few things like that. So you've been doing this for a while now as you're going yeah. through different yeah. message boards. Are there any specific types of posters or you know archetypes that you find get the most traction on Twitter that you you're just particularly fond of. Yeah, we talked about this before. I think you know, every message board that you go to, you always find the same guys, right? Whether you're going to an Alabama message board or you're going to a Kent State message board, wherever it is, you're gonna find the same makeup of people. You're gonna find sunshine pumper guy who's always positive and always looking on the bright side and you know always willing to give coaches and players benefits of the doubt or in the same token, you're always going to have super negative guy who's um, always upset at everything. And you, you have basically the same guys on every message board. Um, I think anybody that's posted on a message board probably understands what I'm saying. My personal favorite is the fire everybody guy. You know, the guy who at the very first sign of adversity wants to fire somebody, if not everybody. Week one, first possession. If they're on offense, if they're not picking up a first down, 
You know, they want the uh, offensive coordinator fired, the head coach fired, the athletic director fired, the university president fired. <laughs> Everybody they can get a hold of, they want fired. Or if, you know, the other team picks up first down on the, on the first drive, it's the same thing. Right. No negative I, outcomes. We'll go unpunished, right? Yeah, I get a kick out. And the earlier it starts, the better. I mean, the more funny it is. You know, the first game, second game, and it's inevitable. You find them on almost every board. Somebody, you know, unless you're winning the game 49 to nothing, um, somebody at some point in the game is going to want somebody fired for something. Yeah, and I, so, I could be wrong, but I feel like the fire everybody guy is the also the most likely to refer to people as uh, losers and morans. Yep. <laughs> yep. He's the first one to say, you're a loser. A loser. And uh, I love that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a tough word to spell. It's a tough word to master. That's right. <laughs> Casey, what about you? Do you have a, a favorite message board guy? You know, Jim, thinking about this long and hard today, I think my favorite one is is the guy, the backup quarterback guy is what I call him. It's the guy that's constantly posting if there's an incomplete. It kind of goes along the lines of fire everybody guy, except it's backup quarterback guy. The guy that as soon as your starter throws an incompletion, he wants the backup. And my favorite time that this is to happen is usually a, a true freshman comes in, and, and Clemson has been afforded some some highly ranked true freshman quarterbacks. And you've never seen the kid play outside of a high school game, but yet he's going to he's gonna be the world, world beater. He's going to be the best quarterback that's ever happened in the history of the world, and he better come in. So I, I love it, especially early when the backup quarterback doesn't do anything. And that one interception or one incompletion, it's like we need the backup quarterback guy. Well, you That's guys saw favorite. that against Georgia Tech, right? Didn't weren't there Clemson people saying that DJ needed to be pulled in like the second quarter of the Georgia Tech game? Yeah, his second series, he fumbled. Oh, fumbled my bad. The snap. Yeah. <laughs> You're even less patient than I realized. My yeah, bad. yeah, and of course, you know, backup quarterback comes in in the third quarter and throws a seed, and so the next game, it's you know, play the play the freshman freshman comes in and doesn't look very good in his second outing or his third outing really he's a freshman it's okay and it's kind of quelled those guys which i'm kind of upset about because i really (laughs) like read those (laughs) yeah those those guys were out for at least three games they were even there early before the season started it seemed like they were the backup quarterback guy at clemson for quite a while Oh, yeah, they were killing DJ before the season started. And even the – I mean, I thought he looked good against Georgia Tech. And he's – I mean, he's played he better did. then. But I was shocked in the Georgia Tech game when, you know, I mean, they hung around with you guys for a little while. But I thought DJ looked good. And I was just – just even scrolling through Twitter, uh, he was getting killed uh, by some of your fans. And I was like, good God, man. Like, let him at least get, you know, two full quarters under his belt before you – where you start pulling them out, you know? I don't know how MBG can do any real life work when when that kind of thing's happening at Clemson because you know Tiger Net is always rolling. That's fish in a barrel right there. Uh, <laughs> the tiger boards. <laughs> yeah, man, it's, if Clemson's playing a, clo- a close game, that's like shooting fish in a barrel. At least it was early in the season. Kind of ties us into my favorite guy, which is – I have a lot of them, but one of my favorites is the tinfoil hat guy who – you know, has some kind of conspiracy theory that he's he or she usually it's a guy. I would say the tinfoil hat guy is almost always a guy. And this actually ties into how I started following MBG. I think I think I'd started following you maybe a month before this, but in October of last year on one of the Clemson boards, there's a poster named Tiger Balm 
actually I have this in front of me, who said it is not even the least, is it not even the least bit suspicious that our problems on offense started just after the Herb Street twins walked onto the football team? I feel like we are executing brilliantly on offense, but the other team simply has the plays snuffed out before they begin. I know that I've been, I've mocked some of you in the past with the ESPN paranoia, but this thing is starting to take legs. It would not surprise me one bit that ESECPN, see what he did there with the, uh, with the wordplay, would stoop this low to damage our program. And then he ends with laugh all you like. That's a perfect conclusion to a tinfoil hat post. And my favorite thing about this is, in case you can tell me if I'm wrong, I believe it last fall, I think as of last October, one of the twins wasn't even playing for Clemson anymore, right? That's correct. Yeah, transferred yeah. actually back to Ohio State. Right, but that is not going to stop this guy from becoming convinced that there is some grand, you know, Herb Street slash ESPN conspiracy to take down the Clemson program. So I'm very happy that MBG started this, and I followed and and become friends with the man because I used to think it was just Clemson people. So I'm I'm pretty happy that that there's are others out there. They're everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, there's lots of good there's lots of good conspiracy theory guys more so in the south um, for whatever reason you find those more in sec country or uh, clemson i like to lump clemson in with the sec even though they're not that seems to be where you find most of those guys well and that even mbg i think ties into one of the posts we're going to talk about this week right from the lsu message board i thought this one was pretty good yeah, I brought one for you. This is one of the bigger tinfoil hat ones I've seen. And this one even came equipped with a photograph of the conspiracy, a screenshot. So this is from the LSU board. You remember LSU got absolutely rolled by Tennessee last week. And it started it started bad and it ended bad for them. But this is from um, Tiger Droppings is the name of the uh, board. And this is a poster named The Boat. And he posted this, uh, the, it looks like the day after the game or the night of the game, I take that back. And he says this, he says, an electrophysiomagnetic pulse is a low intensity burst of a magnetic field at a frequency designed to scramble sensory electrons and disrupt the brain's electrocurrents. The result is an instantaneous and temporary loss of motor strength and muscle control. It's not a coincidence that Beck muffed the kickoff right by Tennessee's sideline. And the title of that post, which I skipped over, was that Tennessee was potentially using an EPMP on the opening kickoff, which is a some sort of an uh, electro, electrophysical magnetic pulse. I feel like I need a physics degree to read this post. I mean, this thing is brilliant. Well, he's got a picture there, and he's circled the Tennessee sideline. And there's about 15 guys in the picture, so I don't know which one he thinks is holding <laughs> holding this device. But one of these guys in the picture is holding some device. I don't know. Have you guys ever played Mario Kart? Oh, yeah. Okay, I was playing this with my daughter, and I, I kill her, by the way, which is great. <laughs> oh, no mercy, man. Yeah. No, no. And it's like, you know, you get those boxes and one of the boxes is that one little, it's like the worst, uh, the worst tool you can get, but it's like this little box that if you push it, like the ground shakes and like shakes all the drivers that drive by you. Yep. 
Like I'm thinking that that's what this guy is saying happened. <laughs> Bowser rolled by. Uh, you know, I really appreciate your your explanation because as you're reading that, I'd like to think that we're relatively educated folks on here and could understand it, but it, they lost me pretty early. So I'm glad you used that uh, metaphor there or, or the comparison there. It's not a metaphor to make me understand. You right. had to go Mario Kart to make me understand. <laughs> like Mario Kart. Well, I just wanted to paint the picture for you guys because I knew that you weren't as well-versed in physics as I am. <laughs> what I found particularly impressive about uh, this post is that the boat – has 150,190 message board posts of conspiracy theory goodness on this board. I mean, that is a massive amount of time. So, you know, the fact that this guy is the one who's circling people on the sideline and positing some kind of electromagnetic pulse, being responsible, by the way, just for the fumble on the kickoff, he kind of glosses over that, LSU got boat raced 40 to 13, right? Well, he didn't say how, how many times they were using this device. I mean, That's a good point. That's fair. It must have been using it all game long. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I like about this particular theory, too, is, I mean, it's got a lot of uses. You know, you could say, you know, the electrophysiomagnetic pulse could be blamed for Brian Kelly's dancing you know, for, for Urban Meyer's wayward fingers. There are all kinds of uses here. This, this is a multi-purpose uh, conspiracy theory that, you know, has applications in a lot of different places. So this is good stuff. Well, no one can disprove it, right? <laughs> like, we're, we're laughing at it, but oh, I can't say it didn't happen. I have no evidence to the contrary. That's, That's right. a great point. That's a great, great point. <laughs> Plus... You and the boat he's, should hang out, MBJ. I mean, he's he's using so many big words that I can't. I mean, I can't dispute that because I don't know what most of them mean. Yeah, right. It's just the I like the temporary loss of motor strength and muscle control. You're like, all right, well, you know, it's plausible. And I I don't want to take us off the rails a little bit, but I did a little math. I figured with physics, it kind of worked hand in hand. But out of that hundred and fifty thousand one hundred ninety posts, that's and he became a member in 2008. That's an average of 10,728 posts a year. That's a wow. lot. So that's all. So tell me how many of that is a day, Casey? 29, right at 29, 29.39. There's no day. way that's there's no way that's possible. <laughs> yeah. Is it like Twitter <laughs> where you can pay for message board posts like like followers? <laughs> He's got to be sharing that account with like family members or something. And where do you think this one ranks on the craziness? Like if you were to rank all 150,000 posts by crazy, like I wonder where this one would sit. I would hope at number, at least in the top 10, I would hope. Oh, I don't know. You think an LSU, <laughs> an LSU poster with 150,000 message board posts, this, this might not be like top 30%. <laughs> with all the SEC games that he's witnessed, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, you're probably right, but it almost makes me want to go dig them up. I mean, I'm not going to do it. Um, <laughs> it's you could maybe, maybe hire an intern to go through those 150,000 posts. I heard um, Twitter is the place them. to find interns. That, that's, that's the word on the street. <laughs> Rank all, rank all 150,000 message board posts from the boat. So, MBG, my 
favorite takeaway from this post is that you take the same approach as I do to playing games with your kids, which is no mercy. So, oh, yeah, no, yeah. I, destroy, <laughs> I destroy her in Mario Kart every time. She's only eight, but it doesn't really matter. I mean, I get that EPM <laughs> just like Tennessee did to LSU, and then I just route her. It's easy. Do you talk so, trash the whole while, too? Oh, yeah. Why would I not? Yeah. yeah. Got to, man. That's how they learn. You got to tough them exactly. up. The only exactly. problem is when you run into what I'm running into with my 12-year-old son now, which is that he just stomps me out in Madden to the point where he's apologizing to me, which is so emasculating. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to have to get a hold of one of these magnets, I think, and just jack them up. There you go. Or just stick to Mario Kart. Yeah, I should. I was well. Actually, he beats me at that too. So, yeah. it's, it's it's worse. It's worse with Madden for some reason. I don't know why. All right, All what right. else do we have this week? Oh, I got another one that was just came out today. It's hot off the presses, and it is from Auburn. We've talked about Auburn before, man. Things are rough. They're on the plains, I think. Um, they seem displeased with their coach. Would that be uh, an accurate statement? Do you think? They do, and I keep waiting for that axe to fall. I keep, I think, I think everybody is. He, Brian Harson's probably sitting there, one just waiting to get fired. Like, not what do, do I have to do? <laughs> <laughs> That's what it seems like. I mean, let me just negotiate this buyout and get out of here. Like, I, it's been a while since I've seen anything like this. So, I mean, obviously, Auburn fans are already speculating as to you know who they're going to hire or what they're going to do. They're looking for an athletic director too, but. So there's always all this speculation about Auburn who they're going to hire uh, once they finally uh, fire Brian Harson. And so there was a post today on Auburn Undercover, which is a 247 site by a guy named Post Osties for AU. And I will say that I went and had to check his posting history before to make sure that this wasn't just someone trolling. My professional opinion is that that is not the case. <laughs> but but he says this, I'm sure this has been posted on here several times, but if Auburn really wants the best coach, staff, and eventually the best players, we need to make a run at Saban. I'm sure he would decline the offer because it would probably just be more than he would want to tackle at this time in his life career. However, if we want to know, if we want to know that we did not fail to go after the best, Saban should be in our sights. Maybe he will be up for one more big challenge to meet and conquer before he leaves the game. So the typical rumors are you freeze, Deion Sanders, Jeff Grimes, guys like that. This guy, he's going straight for the top. He's skipping right over there. Urban Meyer, right? I mean, he's he's going right right to saving. Yep. Which this kind of reminds me of another message board guy, and that's like. Tony Robbins guy, like the guy who had probably has like motivational posters hanging up in his cubicle at work or his wife's got them all over the house. Stuff that says like, <laughs> like, you know, it's better to aim for the stars and miss than than aim lower and hit or something. Like well, I, was, that. I was thinking of like the kitty cat hanging from the tree that says like, hang in there. Remember that you guys are you're <laughs> as old as I am. <laughs> yeah, you're like your middle school teachers had hanging all over the wall. Yeah, you know, that's that's who this guy reminds me of. Like, well, we might as well shoot for the stars, which is ultimately what they're doing. But can you imagine Saban uh, coaching at, at Auburn? I mean, Sonny Dykes moved from L uh, SMU to TCU. 
Isn't that like a big rivalry too? Maybe not to the extent of Auburn, Alabama. I just I can't imagine like back when Frank Beamer was just you know killing us after you know Welsh left. The idea of Beamer coming to Tech. I mean, UVA fans don't even get that worked up about football, man. It would have been there would have been a huge meltdown. So this is like a thousand times that. Like I can't even ima- I can't imagine that people would seriously consider this as an option. But I looked and there's no down votes on this post. That's my favorite part about it. It's not yeah, like anybody yeah. jumped in and said you're a moron, right? I mean, Moran. Yeah, a moron. Yeah, my bad. My bad. No, there's all those guys who who prescribed the theory of shooting for the stars, I guess. Which, fortunately for Auburn, they won't do that. I can't imagine that uh, anybody with any business sense would really take that advice of shooting for the stars just to see what happens. So I, th- I think the guy's impulse that Saban Saban would not go there is probably pretty dead on. I mean, I'm not sure. <laughs> why in the world he would take what I think is universally considered not as good of a job at whatever he is, 70 years old. But, I mean, people get wild with the the coaching stuff. I think I mentioned to you guys, there was a guy, Kentucky fan on Twitter, who posted something yesterday, and I'm, I'll read this because I it, I thought he was kidding. It says, Saban, Swinney, smart. Every other school in the nation would have a very difficult decision to make if they had the option to stick with who they have or go with Stoops. And I was like, you're kidding, right? He's like, no, like I'm, I'm dead serious. I was like, oh, all right. Well, I'm, I'm glad you like your coach, but I'm not sure many people would agree with you there. And that reminds me earlier, I was maybe a couple of weeks ago, there was a guy who tweeted, and I think I screenshotted it and, and tweeted it out myself, but he had tweeted, he was a Wisconsin beat writer who basically said the same thing, the Wisconsin should do the exact same thing, which was make Saban an offer he couldn't refuse, which is one thing for someone from Auburn to say that. Right. But, but Wisconsin, even Wisconsin had the same idea. Which I think It was, was definitely funny. Wisconsin. I remember that one. It would be great for business as far as message board business if he yeah. did make a move like that, though. Oh, can you imagine what the uh, Alabama message board is? Oh, my God. Like? No, I really if, can't. If... And, I, and I'm guessing all the Auburn fans who have hated Saban for so long now um, would would do complete 180s themselves, and Alabama fans the same. I think there'd be an immediate hatred for Nick Saban on the Alabama message boards. It, I mean, it would be the greatest heel turn of all time, right? <laughs> I mean, maybe we need to put together some money and give it to Auburn and see if maybe they can make it happen because it would be fantastic to see. It really would. Um, maybe we'll start a fund for that. <laughs> so we got another one here. This was one of Casey's favorites. This is a from a week or two ago. This is a good one. This is from a Missouri message board. And I'm doing this as a favor for Casey because he loves it so much. <laughs> but this was um, a Missouri poster who posted this, obviously, before they played Abilene Christian. So it was a couple weeks back. His post said this said, what is the best way to contact head coach Drinkwitz? And he said, I wanted to pass some info to the coaching staff. I've been breaking down some Abilene Christian All-22 film and found some weak spots to attack their defense. Two tight end sets by the offense always gets a certain type of coverage by their defense. I've also scripted the first 15 plays on offense to set some things up for later in the game. Thanks in advance. <laughs> oh, is, is that what TIA means? I yeah. was kind of just yeah. leaving that out because I don't know what it meant. So 
thanks in advance for uh, hooking him up with Coach Drinkwitz. Uh, you, you like that, Casey, huh? I I just love that guy. I mean, I I should probably even change from my my that guy to the front. Like the the guy that knows more than the coaches. It's just it's just gold. Uh, especially I think what added to it. We discussed it. I think it, it, in our pre-show meeting was the Abilene Christian. He's not talking about Georgia. He's not talking about Tennessee. He's not talking about South Carolina even. He's talking about Abilene Christian. I just thought this post was absolute gold. Yeah, yeah my man's been who, playing a lot of NCAA 14, I think. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> and the scripted plays. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, first off, who do you, how do you get all 22 films? It's not like you just go online and find all 22 films. At least I don't, not that I'm aware of. So he, he pulls Abilene Christian all 22. And who are they even playing? Like, who is he watching them play? He sat up there with the, with the handheld recorder, right up in the bleachers at an Abilene Christian game. <laughs> Back when we were kids, when your dads would like bring the camcorder to the game and like stand at the top of the bleachers and video, and you could like barely see the little dots down there round round. Yeah, so that's, I'm, that's, that's what this guy was watching. I'm sitting there, sitting here making fun of this guy. And in the interest of full disclosure, back in the uh, early '90s when I was coaching. Uh, some ninth grade basketball. I spent my weekends traveling around the Hampton Roads, Virginia area, um, sitting in the stands of our upcoming opponents, taking video. So it would be like 14 people in the stands, all parents, and then this weirdo, you know, with this <laughs> giant handheld VHS recorder. So uh, I'm not really sure I've got any standing to make be making fun of this guy, but I'm going to do it anyway. I mean, you had a you you at least were the coach, right? Yeah, that's true. I didn't I knew how to get in touch with me. So you were getting a stipend at some point, probably, right? Five hundred bucks, baby. Yeah. Man. So you're you're getting paid to do that. That's you know, true. we had the little in, in where I'm from in New Jersey initially or originally, we had TV three is what it was called, and they would come out to some high school games. But it felt like it was the camcorder that was up there and two guys just screaming at each other, especially like at hockey, because it would get a little loud in the arena and he, they would, he wouldn't even be able to tell. I'm like, I think he said my name. No. That's right. That was my mom that got in the microphone. That's right. My last thought on this is it makes me wonder, or what I would like to know, is how many emails coaches get with guys like this because this guy he's obviously looking for coach drinkwitz's email most people know how to get coach drinkwitz's email or your coach's email right. i'm guessing that this is not just some rogue guy at missouri but everybody's got one or two of those so how many emails are coaches getting after games with fans giving them advice on game coach, i scripted out the first 15 plays so just you know cut down on your workload this do do some extra media. <laughs> Coaches should. In fact, in fact, we should start making um, open records requests on every coach's email in the country just to gather those and make some sort of a. If we start dropping compile a book on college coaches, God, that would be awesome. I'm surprised nobody's done that. Uh, that's got to be I some do, entertaining actually. stuff in those guys' emails and or texts, unless it's Urban Meyer, and you, then you probably don't. You probably don't want to read what's in those. <laughs> So, MBG, we had another post this week from a guy with some uh, an interesting theory on college coaches, right? He did. This was a this was a Georgia fan. He had a theory about 
specifically about Tennessee coaches, but I think maybe it had a little broader application. This was on a Dogs 247, and really the title of his post kind of says it all. I want to read the whole post because the whole thing's funny, but the title pretty much uh, gives us the gist of his idea, and that was, <laughs> it says, do fat coaches do better at Tennessee? And he goes on to, to list, at least to explain his theory here. He says, Fulmer, good. Heupel, good. Neeland was a lineman. Jim Chaney was undefeated. Kiffin, bad. Set program back 10 years. Butch Jones, <laughs> trended up, but lost weight, brought turnover trash cans to the sidelines and got fired. Pruitt, bad. Dooley, Looks like Bob from, Bob from Puppy Dog Pals. Really bad. Is there something about is there something about one of your own coaching that works for Tennessee? Is this something Wisconsin should look at? <laughs> that was my favorite. Like, should this be a hiring criterion? Right. I feel like I, I need to start off by just giving my guy Derek Dooley a shout out. He was at UVA when I was there. I know, you know, he had a rough go of it at Tennessee, but I, I did look up Bob from Puppy Dog Pals, and, I mean, the guy's not wrong. I'm, I'm looking that up right now. Yeah, it, it's... I have a four-year-old. I watched Puppy Dog Pals this morning. Oh, is that right? And as soon as you said that, I nearly spit water on myself. <laughs> Put orange pants on that character, and he's, he's pretty much Derek Dooley. So... I want to preface this by saying that I am anything but in shape, so I'm not casting any aspersions on anyone, but I have a case study for you guys that I think it's an interesting take on this guy's theory here. And that involves my man, Ralph Friedgen, who, as you guys know, is a coach at Maryland for about 10 years. During his first eight seasons, Friedgen had seasons with win totals of 8, 9, 10, 10, and 11. And celebrating each of those victories, of course, with a vat of chocolate pudding. Before the 2009 season, Friedgen lost 105 pounds. Want to guess what his record was that year? Two and 10. <laughs> he got fired the next season. So he loses 110 pounds, goes in the crapper, gets fired. In the next 10 seasons, Maryland had eight losing seasons. They have not won more than seven games at any point since Friedgen left. So I would say, anecdotally at least, this guy's theory holds some water. It definitely does, especially because the, the guys they had after him, Edsel, I can't think of all the, all the Durkin, like all those guys were skinny, in-shape guys. Yeah. And yep. they were not yeah. good. And Mike Loxley's not necessarily skinny or in shape. And he's doing all right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, they're what, four and two this year? Yeah, they are. I didn't do as deep a dive into it, but all I was thinking about was Mark Mangino at Kansas. As soon That's as the I only guy this, you can think of. Right. But he was he was amazing at Kansas. I was at the game and they were ranked, I think, second in the country playing number three USF on a Friday night in Tampa in 2007 or 2008, 2008. I mean, they he had Kansas rolling. Uh, Reesing was the quarterback. And after that, I don't know what happened to Mangino, but after he left, that whole program took a huge nosedive. I think that's a complete correlation to this guy's message board post. Yeah, the 2000s, that, that was kind of the glory days of the big-boned uh, coaches, right? Because that's Friesian was at Maryland from, like, I think 2000, 2010. So it's, he used to beat our butt. Yeah. You guys are ignoring probably the best fat guy coach of all time. Well, I, that's a little overboard. 
Charlie Weiss. Oh, I had him. I had him written. <laughs> oh, see, Kansas must have really prescribed to this theory because uh, Char Charlie Weiss came in not long after Mangino left. Am I right? Uh, or did you he right. immediately follow Mangino? He may have followed him. I believe he did follow him. I believe he was. I'll look it up, but you guys. So keep maybe going. they actually. I mean, maybe they use this theory. Maybe they were just. We just got to find ourselves another big guy. You know, to I mean, bring it here because Mangino maybe, worked out so well. Maybe this is just a long-held theory within the coaching industry, and we just never really knew about it. Um, <laughs> See, with all the advanced analytics. Well, they're I'm not working out, so they're watching film. <laughs> I'm going to start using that as my excuse for not working out. I'm doing all this other stuff. I mean, you know. I, and I, I think I said Charlie Weiss might be the best. Uh, I'm wrong. I think I'm selling the guy actually named in this post a little bit short in Phil Fulmer. Phil Fulmer is probably the best fat coach of all time, right? He at least won a national championship. His nickname from Alabama fans was Fatass. <laughs> Alabama fans are known for their subtlety. So, you know, <laughs> well, I, although I do think Phil Fulmer's kind of persona non grata around even Tennessee nowadays. Anytime I see him referenced almost anywhere, it's Fat Phil. But I, I think this guy's on to something. I, do, I, I agree. I, this is something that probably uh, merits some further research because those are the only three guys I can think of right now. And they were all pretty good. So that's absolutely going to happen. I thought I was going to go to sleep later on tonight, <laughs> but it's, it's over. Fat college football coaches, Google searches commence immediately after the podcast. All right, fellas, are we that do it for this week. Yeah, I think that's all I brought. All right. So that'll do it for this week's episode of the MBG podcast. And we'll see you all back here next week, losers. Oh,